from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. You know what I? All right. So, in honor of the Australian Open being over and having no real tennis <laughs> to speak of, I went and checked out some real tennis. I was going to say all tennis is real tennis in America. Well, it's not real tennis because that's that indoor thing from the you know eighteen hundreds <laughs> right. or whatever. Yeah, that you told me about. But in America, we have something that nobody else in the world has. The GDP over eight trillion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait a second. Uh, freedom I of had speech. So many different answers. Uh, for that. Second Amendment. Um, <laughs> third Amendment. No, I don't know. Whatever. Yes. Um, we have college tennis. So uh, last week, is there really no other country that has college tennis? Not like we do. Yeah, they don't have the college system right. like we do. Although Canada has some colleges that play as part of the NCAA. Okay. But I don't know that any of them have tennis. Right. Like hockey and curling and whatnot yeah. and skiing. I don't know. <laughs> Ice fishing. Uh, I don't. I made all that up. <laughs> I, except about the part with colleges in Canada that participate. <laughs> but I don't know in what. Right. Uh, and it's not a lot. It's not, you know. So, anywho. What was I saying? <laughs> that you went and saw college tennis. The real, real tennis. Real tennis. Yeah. So, I went and watched uh, TCU. The old Horn Frogs. I'm dragging my daughter to watch. And uh, and they, the Horn Frogs are, are here in Fort Worth and in the Big 12. Uh, they've won the Big 12 a few times. I don't, I don't know the exact stat, but it's multiple times within the last five or six years. Like maybe they've won it four in a row. Right. I could be wrong, but that also could be right. When I was going to say, they're typically a ranked team at least. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think right now they were at 22 when I saw them. I don't know what they are now. Uh, anywho. Uh, and so it's so they're a good team on the national scene, but also they um, they really push hard to do a lot of stuff to get fans out. And they've been they've been one of the top teams in the attendance race over the past five or six years or whatever. Okay. So they do a good job on that. Not just students, but local tennis people yeah. and all that. You know, league players and, and what what have you. So. Uh, so we were out there. I mean, it was a hundred people out there, yeah, which is pretty good for a college match right. in America. I promise you. I think that was more than attended all of mine combined. Uh, every and match. ever will <laughs> uh, any match you ever play. <laughs> so, so we went out there and they were playing uh, Loyola Marymount from California, and the weather wasn't bad actually. Uh, it's been up and down here lately, right. but it, it wasn't bad. Um, and so now the, what they do, this is, so this is the thing I hate about college tennis, but it's not my team. So whatever, but they play one through three doubles. Right. And if you're, you know, if you're American, you probably have some sense of how college tennis works. Maybe if you're not from here, you may not. So they start out with one through three doubles. So your, your top three doubles teams in ideally in the order of ability, but of course (laughs) stacking is an issue, but, uh, so here's the thing I don't like. They play six game sets, no ad, <laughs> tie break at five all. Right. So when you sit down, the match is over. It might be tie break at six all. Either way, it's way too short. Right. 
And that's it. Not two out of three. They play one set for the right. match. And the match definitely doubles definitely lasted 30 minutes, and that was a long one. <laughs> um, and so, and they're only playing for one point out of all three of those matches. So if you win two out of three, the third match stops right. immediately, and they don't finish it, and you get you go up one nothing or right. down one nothing if you didn't win two. And and then that's it. And then you go into singles, and singles is two out of three sets to six games, but it's also no ad, which it which I don't like. But that's neither here nor there. But the atmosphere of college tennis is different. Uh, you know, they do address the rules about hollering and you know carrying on. So you have to do the same thing you would do at any NCAA event, which is you can't be shouting obscenities, right? No racial stuff. You can't, you know, nothing. You know that would be intimidating or threatening, all that kind of stuff. Can't talk about somebody's mama, uh, unless they're playing mixed doubles, whatever. And so all that. But other than that, if you're sitting right behind court two, and you've got court one and three on either side, and they're in the middle of a point, but court two finishes the point, you can cheer your face off. Yeah. There's no Wimbledon, you know, all quiet. You know, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, you know, so you don't have to. Uh, you know, tone it down, and so it gets it can get loud and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's that was the atmosphere we went into uh, TCU one four zero. So they won the doubles point, and then they won three out of six singles, yeah. and then they stop. Right now, I'm not in favor of stopping. Well, I was going to say I don't know why they would stop unless they had another match that, that day or soon. I don't know if they did that day, but maybe the next day. But they won the match, so yeah. ultimately. I think they should have to finish. And I think like in a lot of times in maybe conference play they do. I don't know. For rankings, who knows? I don't know. But anyway, so uh, so it's a pretty raucous environment. It's a lot of fun. Um, the players are getting high, way more energy than you see in a pro match. Right. Now, granted, the pro match, they're playing a lot of matches all the time, and they do it for a living, and there's no team behind. It's just you, yeah. you know, or your doubles partner, which to me – Two people does not a team make. You know, I mean, I know I understand it's two people, but it's still not still right. an individual sport. And so, uh, and so, yeah. So it was a great event, a lot of fun, and uh, and TCU will be moving up in the rankings and all that, which nobody out there cares about unless you're a TCU fan. But uh, but in, in college tennis in general, um, you know, there is something to offer for fans, and most of the time, most of these big programs do a lot to encourage people to come out um and so they are fan friendly even if you're not involved with the pro you're not donating or whatever you're just a local league player you're into tennis and etc there's a place for you to go well and i was going to say if nothing else you know that the positive of that short format is you get exposure to singles and doubles in a short amount of time and even from one to six of varying skill levels you know you're not you're seeing enough difference in level to kind of get something out of it no matter what you're looking for although i will say that poor number six guy (laughs) i think maybe his parents were down there (laughs) (laughs) that's it right but if the match was close and he was about to finish to determine the match and everybody's gonna run down to that match because each singles right. match gets one point, so you're you're playing for a total of seven points, six singles and one doubles point overall. Uh, so whoever gets to four first wins. Yeah. Um, and so what I can tell you is, if you are in an area 
where you have a local college, there's, you know, now Division Two scholarship also, so that's a really high level, although they may not be equipped at this time uh, to put on a big show in terms of having people come out and, and, and view tennis. But I can tell you from my experience, all the Power Five conference teams do a pretty good job overall as in, as institutions uh, with all their sports and, and including tennis and the coach is a big part of that but yeah. um, so if you live in California I mean you got the Pac-12 you know if you live in Phoenix you got Arizona Arizona right. State or in your general area you know New Mexico um, you know anywhere you go you've got if you're in the Midwest you've got the Big Ten you know, there's some really good teams up there. If you're in Texas, there's a ton of teams in Texas that are elite teams. Florida obviously has teams. I mean, if you're in Virginia, drive up to the mountains of Charlottesville, UVA. <laughs> you know, Daniel Collins, who we talked about a little bit right. last week, she's uh, she's a college player, and she played at UVA. Um, so, you know, if, even if you're in the Northeast, they do a great job with indoors, you know, at that level. Uh, you know, Syracuse or, you know, whoever. Some of them only have women's programs. Some have both. Um, but yeah, check out your, just get, get on their website, just Google college and then tennis, men's tennis or women's tennis and take a look at their schedule. And all you have to do is show up at the match time or a little before, or honestly a little after, it doesn't matter. Most all of them have big electronic scoreboards or some form of whatever. They'll have officials and chairs for the most part, especially the power five. And they'll have, sometimes they'll have. For doubles, they'll have a chair official and one person on a line, and then they'll split out to singles, and they'll have one chair official, and that's it, one chair umpire, um, to keep things going. Right. And it's a lot of fun. And yes, I know one of the drawbacks is there's a bunch of international players. I get it. But it's still good tennis, and you're not going to know the difference until they start cussing. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and I was going to say, I don't think, you know, when you watch a sport, you're looking for the highest level you can see, and... College tennis is is by far the highest level of tennis in most cities. Yeah, sure. I mean, if, even if you have a pro tournament that comes to your city, that's one week of the year that you get to watch that. And and now we're seeing so many college players that can play at the pro level that proves that there are probably many others that not could. so many, but more. Right. And I that's that's why I say the one thing I don't like about the no ad and all this other nonsense is you are not playing at you're not playing the same game that the highest level is playing. Right. I mean, our sport is designed as a win-by-two sport, particularly on men's tennis because of the serve. Right. So the women's tennis serve is still an advantage for most players. Holla, not so much, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, and so you serve, I serve. You serve, I serve. You throw in no ad in there, and you're throwing an extra break point in there that the server has to deal with. And I don't think that necessarily lends itself all the time to determining who's the best player. Right. A little more luck or, you know, whatever involved. So, but that, but to me, if American tennis ever wants to achieve the heights of the 70s and early 80s and beyond, I think we have to work towards getting college tennis closer to what college basketball and college football look like. And then just to a lesser degree, college baseball, college hockey. I mean, they have a farm system, so it's different, but nonetheless. Um, and so to do that, I think we're going backwards with a scoring system. Right. 
you know. But again, I I don't want to talk negatively too much because it's not. If you were to go watch it, it really makes no difference, right? For you it's, watching, you're the talking level. more of the player for the players and the development, you know, right? And and the just the having the proper outcome, right? But yeah, I mean, if what I think is funny is the four most popular forms of tennis or four most popular tennis events by a million percent are the Grand Slams, and they're the four that play the longest scoring format. Yeah, on the so men's what is side, that? So, for sure. So the format can't be the reason that tennis isn't popular elsewhere. We've already <laughs> proven that long matches don't deter anyone from watching or attending. I have suffered through 99 episodes with you. <laughs> Just for that nugget alone. By the way, I think is this episode one hundred? Is it? I I don't know. I, I gotta go we back. Had a party scheduled. For I that. gotta go by. I gotta count. I got you a cake in the trunk. Um, that's just just my, climb in. That's my tree. Yeah, climb in. It's in there somewhere. If I'm not on the show next week, please somebody call nine one one. They won't. They're gonna be. They're gonna be. They're cheery. gonna be rejoicing. You're gonna hear pops of champagne. <laughs> No, but that's actually a fantastic point. If if if, pop, if the popularity of tennis is such that we have to shorten the scoring format to make people like it, then why are the Grand Slams the most right. popular? You're exactly right. You're a genius. Yeah, I mean, the longest matches are the most popular. So if anything else, we're playing too short of a format well, in every league. Well, you might be uh, going a little too I far know, there. I know, But the long, yeah, the matches. The we events. don't have to turn it into a circus is what I'm saying. Why don't we just, you know, spin the racket like do that dizzy tennis thing where we spin around with our head on the rack and then get up and hit a ball and whoever wins wins but like you said how much is that would that stink for somebody that shows up for a college match and they show up an hour into it and it's over 30 minutes later right i mean it's like the grand slams the good thing about it is you can show up come and go as you please and you're going to get and see high a quality ton, a ton no matter tennis. when you show up and when you leave football is three hours long right at least yeah. and that's a quick game right three and a half hours for kind of probably the average i guess yeah baseball the average is 11 hours and 15 <laughs> minutes well that, that's what it feels like that's what it feels like i'm watching my nails grow um yeah so i so in, in any event i don't want to run down college tennis as i'm trying to tell you <laughs> about it but you know but the, the the spectating aspect of college tennis i think has the most broad appeal to anybody listening here if you're in the u.s obviously yeah um but that's not the only avenue through which you can enjoy college tennis the other avenue is to play college tennis Corey, did you do that uh well i tried i coached you i would beg to differ <laughs> so i, I was I, trying I, not to set you up for that and i still failed i was i was bringing it no matter what <laughs> locked and loaded i was i was up. i was there i was on the court for college I tennis was shooting that shot baby <laughs> so i if, did yeah so if um you could have had a front row seat to any of my matches <laughs> any of, you could have sat on the court i would have <laughs> gladly quit my job if somebody just would have came and saved me <laughs> so <laughs> I joke, of course. Of course. It was wonderful to have you uh, on the yes. team for that one semester. <laughs> so Felt longer. Listen, it re- just reminded me how great the rest of my career has been. That's what it... <laughs> well, seeing my backhand made all your other players <sighs> look like they had great backhands in comparison. My tennis knowledge was stretched to the limit with that backhand. <laughs> all right, sorry. Off on a tangent about us. Sorry. That's right. We'll reminisce and gaze in each other's eyes later. <laughs> so... Um, so playing tennis, believe it or not, playing tennis is a real, real possibility for a lot of players. Now, that's not to say that you would go to exactly the school you want to go to if tennis is in the mix. Right. Or turn into Daniel Collins and go on TV. Or that. But one benefit, which might sound odd, one, one benefit 
to the international players in college is that the lower levels benefit with better American players. Right. And so that would include Division Three. Um, and so we've got a guest coming up here after the break that's going to talk about Division Three tennis and the, the relative strength of D3 tennis, uh, which is pretty interesting. But, there, you know, always consider your options. If, if college tennis is something that you really have a desire to do, um, be realistic about your level. The UTR is a fantastic, fantastic tool for that. And I, I think Corey probably thanks, you know, um, his uh, lucky stars every day that UTR didn't exist back when he played because <laughs> uh, he'd be he'd have to live with that number to this day. That's but, right. But uh, does it go negative? No. Oh, okay. Oh, you would have been. Oh, you kidding me with that serve? <laughs> you, you're the Isner of D three. That's right. That's true. So in any event, so there are options out there, but use the UTR as a tool. They have college teams on there. They have high school teams on UTR, and obviously individual players on UTR. And find your range, and don't get crazy out there. I mean, you know, don't tell a coach that. Yeah, I know that you, your bottom player, <laughs> who really doesn't even play, can beat me zero and zero now. But in a mere six months, <laughs> I'm going to transform myself into. It's either going to be you or Texas, right? Um, no, it's not. <laughs> so be realistic about where you can play, and understand that D3 has limited resources, so we can't have 50 people on the roster because we don't have the budgets for it, or the time, or the staff. Um, but understand that there are places for you to play, uh, and D3 is is one of those options. Um, but in the meanwhile, if you're not interested in playing or your past college age go support teams find a big time school a power five conference in your area and i would say within a five hour drive that's too much nobody's gonna drive five hours but go to a big city like go to nashville i was gonna say if you're in a big city you've got watch vanderbilt women's tennis i think they're defending national champions aren't they or the year before maybe yeah yeah so you know, Nashville, go see tennis, but then go to Nashville. You know, right. it's fun. Yeah. That'd be worth five hours. Yeah. Because um, there's some pockets, you know, North Dakota. Not a lot of Power <laughs> 5 schools in North Dakota. Right. But, you know, you can get down to Minnesota maybe. Or That's I, right. I don't know where North Dakota is. I thought it, I thought it was in Canada, but it's not quite. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm excellent in geography. Uh, remember yeah, I told yes, you? Yes, I remember. That, we all remember. <laughs> We never did that. Though. We didn't. No. I, I, anytime you bring a printout, I will fill it out top to bottom. <laughs> um, all right. So without further ado, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back to sell you on the relative strength of D3 tennis and that it's a good product and something you may want to take part in. We'll be back. <laughs> It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're doing it again. We didn't didn't have enough punishment the last time we did it, so we're doing it again. (laughs) You know what that is? Karma of some kind. You're sitting right next to the guy. You couldn't figure it out. <laughs> oh, you're just playing the radio game? No. Yeah. We have a guest. Oh, okay. How about that? 
I was building anticipation. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> you're listen. You're a radio genius. <laughs> you're a podcasting genius. No, we have a guest. You notice we've never had the same guest twice. What does that say about? Not true. Show? Not true. Taylor Dent. That's true. In your face. <laughs> now to, to to you know to reveal a little bit behind the curtain. <laughs> he was here. I was about to say the same time. Yeah, twice. Two episodes. Yeah, what are you going to do? One recording. Listen, we got things to do outside in the rest of the world. All right, we don't just live in this damn studio. Although it feels like it. No, we have a guest. And he uh, is bringing an interesting perspective to something that maybe people haven't thought of. Although, we've talked about it on the pod. And it relates to college tennis. And one thing I've always said is there is a place for, listen, wait for it, anyone, anyone to play college tennis. Anyone. If you, Well, okay, listen. If you've never played college tennis before, well, no, there's some schools out there that have people, listen, literally, uh, in, in NCAA athletics, NCAA, I, I don't know about other groups, so there's the junior colleges, which are governed by the NJCAA, which is a national junior college uh, group, then California has a junior college deal with just their schools, and then there's another body called the NAIA, which, that's the Wild West, so I have no idea, I don't even know if they have rules. <laughs> But for the NCAA, there's three divisions, Division One, Two, II, and Three. Everybody knows Division One, So that's the big time, you know, $100 handshakes, bottom Corvettes to come play, you know, football, all that fun, you know, that fun stuff, SMU, Pony Excess kind of stuff. So that's one group. And then you got Division Two, which also allows scholarships, just a lesser amount than Division One. And then you have Division Three, which is no scholarships. Now you can get academic if you qualify, <laughs> or not. <laughs> Been on the school, I didn't say anything. Uh, but no athletic scholarships for Division Three. Uh, and so those are the, are the delineations. Now the rules. One of the rules within those different divisions is they have minimum numbers for amount of sports they have on campus to be an NCAA member. So in JUCO, there's junior colleges out there that literally have two sports, and that's it. And it doesn't matter. Right. But NCAA, you've got to have minimum. So I think Division three is 11. And tennis, typically, is a pretty inexpensive sport. I mean, the players come to campus with all of their equipment, typically. All their rackets, all that kind of stuff. Um, and... They're small. The rosters are small, so you don't have to travel in giant buses and that kind of thing. Um, and most of our competitions are an up and back situation. You know, you're not, you know, football. You're taking, I don't even a hundred guys and nine buses two miles Hotels. down the road, and you stay overnight for home game. You know, I mean, it's a whole situation. Right. But tennis is not. So a lot of times, colleges will have tennis on their campus to keep their numbers. So they, they, you know, meet the minimums, and it's an inexpensive sport. And for Title IX purposes, men and women's tennis, you know, they have both, and it's uh, it's all lovely. So why did I, I just give you a history lesson of NCAA <laughs> sports or or whatever? Because our guest is going to talk about something pretty pretty interesting, um, and it might make you want to play Division three tennis more than you thought you would. So our guest. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Welcome to the bunker here, the studio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Fancy, isn't it? 
This is nice. This is really nice. <laughs> well, when we have a guest, we really do it up. I mean, we put out used coasters and everything. You should see what it normally looks like. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, it worries me a little bit. So, uh, now you played Division Three tennis, is that right? Yes, sir. And you won't say it because he's modest. He's a good-looking fella, ladies. Uh, good-looking <laughs> Or guys, whatever. I don't you know. I'm not judging. Uh, good-looking fella. Tall, handsome, strong, and a pretty damn good tennis player, I might add. And he played college tennis. Now, where'd you play? I played at Carleton College up in Northfield, Minnesota. Nice. So graduated back for in uh, 2016. So your there. season lasted three days. Right, exactly. We <laughs> nice. Got, we got outside twice a year, and it was it was the best day of the year every time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like playing tennis in Siberia. Wonderful. So basically, for training, y'all just broke rocks and stuff and yeah. hunted polar bears. Like Rocky going yeah, through the yeah, exactly. exactly. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. I changed my mind. Forget playing D3 tennis if you have to play somewhere like that. Forget it. North of, of anywhere. Yeah. No, no. It, honestly, they have a, a good program. It's not as good since you left, of course. But that, uh, That's not true. They are much better oh now. They're fantastic. So now, you mentioned to me, and that's why I wanted you to have you on the podcast, um, and this is the only reason, because your voice is terrible, you, nobody you know, nobody wants to hear your We non- can't put your picture on Instagram, we'll explain that later. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's a listener, he knows. Oh, okay. So, um, so you, you, I was talking to you, and you, you said something to me, and it uh, tickled my fancy, if you will. Okay. You mentioned that tennis, Division Three tennis, is the best in terms of the level relative to its Division One counterparts out of all other sports. So in other words, if you go watch Duke basketball, right, Cam and Crazies and the whole thing, and then go watch Division Three basketball, even the top level, men's basketball, vast difference, vast difference. So in other words, that team... I don't even know who the top. I don't even care. I don't want to mention any names, but the top, whoever <laughs> top couple D three basketball teams are go into Duke and play them. It's going to be a bloodbath, right? However, you take one of the top tennis teams in the country in D three, and they go play a UVA or a Duke or somebody, and it's going to be a much closer. Still a bloodbath, but a much closer bloodbath, and the level looks a lot more similar. Is that kind of a good synopsis of your? Yeah, theory that that was my that was my hot take that qualified me for this podcast. So it yeah, doesn't take much. That, that got me in the got me in the door <laughs> it here. Does well. Listen, first of all, nobody cares about your dumb ideas. I know I don't. However, <laughs> the reason I wanted you and that hot take uh, on the pod is because of the idea that we talk about. That first of all, support college tennis out there, and one way people can support college tennis is by playing college tennis. And there is somewhere for everyone to play and you're thinking well who cares it's d3 this dovetails nicely with that idea that hey not only is playing d3 a possibility for a lot of people it's actually a good possibility because the level is good yeah the levels i mean and and it's constantly improving as well i mean you you see more you know four star five star three four five star athletes committing to division three schools than you do in any other sport i think right Uh, you know, so I mean, can can you imagine? You know, if if, if Nick Saban or if uh, John Calipari were losing out on these five star recruits to you know some some D three team, that would never happen in in football or basketball, and that happens on a pretty routine basis um, at, at the D three level for tennis, which is you know just the you know the quality of players is is so deep throughout the entire division now, where, where you're seeing a lot of teams that are competitive at a super high level. Right. So so if you're looking at by the way, anytime Corey jump in. Just kidding. What? 
So if so, if you're look, so that's a great point talking about the you know Sabins, you know, an Alabama player, maybe a kicker, maybe I think would would, <laughs> would maybe not fit that. Uh, so, and we'll, we'll use the blue chip and the star system as a general ballpark. I think everybody kind of knows the blue chip are the elite of the elite type players. So, um, you know, anybody that ends up in the like, I guess Peyton Manning, when he came out, he was a blue chip quarterback. Right. And then ultimately, obviously, was a number one draft pick. And then ultimately, a Hall of Famer and, you know, just couldn't win in the playoffs. But anyway, <laughs> um, I don't think that's not what blue chip means. I don't think that's part of. Uh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not part of the description. It's a yellow chip. No, Peyton's wonderful. No, so so you take a Peyton Manning type of guy. He wasn't looking either at Tennessee because uh, Tennessee used to be good, by the way. <laughs> it's it's a different time. Uh, so he wasn't really like trying to pick between Tennessee and then another school that's in that area, uh, Emory in Atlanta, right? Which is a a powerhouse academic school in D three and a powerhouse D three in a lot of sports. But he there, there was no chance he was looking at those two options. He might have been looking at Georgia or Tennessee, maybe. Well, and if he had, he would have completely ruined his you know pro status trying to get in the NFL, whereas for tennis, it wouldn't really matter. Right. That's a great point. So is that, so is that something you've looked at in terms of why that's the case? Why, you know, players that, that can, can... Like why football can do that, but tennis can't. I think it's just, it's just, you know, like the natural or just the typical landscape of sports here in this country, right? You look at like the NFL, the NBA, MLB, or NHL, those you know, big four sport leagues that we have here. And that typical progression for an athlete is to go from being, you know, a, a real stud in high school to a stud in college and then getting drafted and then playing at the highest league, you know, the the American leagues in those four sports are the best leagues in, in, in the world in those sports. And uh, for, for tennis, the, the path that you see much more typically for um, a, a student athlete or a tennis player to make it, make it into the pro ranks is some kind of academy setting as a junior and then starting to play pro tournaments and earning a living that way. Uh, and in college, you don't see it usually as a, uh, a part of that equation. Because it works in both directions. So on the one hand, for tennis, there is no barrier to entry to the pro level, except your ability. Whereas you could be the best quarterback on the planet, and you're 17, next year you're not going to the Steelers. You're going to a college, because you can't go to the Steelers. You're not allowed to. Well, it's also kind of sad that that, I think it's way easier to get in a professional sport that's not tennis. (laughs) You just have that yeah, huge college career. You're automatically going to be on the, in the pros, whereas tennis, it's all it doesn't matter if you won every college match four years straight. You still got to go through and win at the lowest level in tennis and work your way up. You can't trick anybody into a Jamarcus Russell type <laughs> scenario where he is was the first hundred million dollar man. Maybe was he? I don't. I hope not. But he, probably. Yeah, and he. Uh, yeah, I don't know what he's doing now, but <laughs> he's definitely not throwing a football for a living. Right. So, yeah, so you have to actually go through the process of beating people to earn a living uh, in tennis, and you don't have to do that. In, well, of course, you have to, to some degree, prove yourself, but Johnny Manziel was the number one pick for the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> and he didn't prove anything. So That's the thing, too, though. I mean, like in, in tennis, how many guys on, on tour do you think make like a, a good enough living you know, to really sustain themselves? It's 100 guys, 200 guys? I would say 100 or less. 
Less than 100. Yeah, very few Americans, but yeah, 100 total at the most. Although I right. guess you factor in doubles specialists. Right. So there's probably 20 doubles guys that make a, a decent living and 20 doubles women. and Yeah, maybe 100 men, 100 women at the absolute most. Yeah. Right. So, but point being is it, it's there's no lottery ticket, so to speak, in regards to the pro ranks. Right. So you don't just... Yeah, so if you come into college, it's because you pretty well decided, you know what, I'm good, I'm not that good, and here we are. Right, yeah, so I mean, for a lot of people, like, unfortunately, college tennis has that kind of stigma over it uh, with the way it's set up right now, that if if you're playing college ball at any level, it's that, because, you know, like, I heard an interview with with Tyson Kwiatkowski of, of, of Virginia, who was their number one player back in, you know, when they were having these teams that were winning all these national titles, and he said that he committed to go... Uh, when he committed to play at UVA, he thought it was kind of a, a disappointment because he wasn't going to go pro right out of high school. Uh, Wrong, right? <laughs> but I mean, he's now you know doing great things on on the you know the futures and challenger level, uh, and has made an, a U.S. Open appearance, and he's an amazing player. But the fact that only so few players can make a living on the pro tour uh, makes you know a lot of these players who are five star blue chip caliber athletes have to reassess you know maybe i'm you know i'm a great player and dedicated my entire life to tennis but i can't really make a living off of it so going to a school where i can you know get the best degree possible uh is, is a more viable option for for me in, in the future than than trying to to make it and, and struggle through that just grind of of the the lower ranks of tennis tournaments when it's hard to um trick anybody else or fool yourself for the most part that you're going to make it at that level, in, t- in any level, professionally in tennis, because, again, the NFL, you don't ever play any NFL players prior to getting a contract. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you are You may dominate college players, a la Johnny Manzo. I hate to beat that guy down here. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, you know, he, he didn't play anybody in the NFL and then got a giant contract and then did not do well at all well as well it was good for me i enjoyed it but um in tennis you can't do that you're not tricking anybody so so i, I do think that assessment is probably made more honestly and probably earlier with tennis players and so then they do look at that option hey free college great experience playing four years and on the rare occasion you know like you said you know like james blake harvard you know right now john isner Georgia, Kevin Anderson, you know, fighting Illini. Um, you know, so there are, I guess, exceptions to the rule, maybe, right. at this yeah. point. Like bo- both Brian's Steve played Johnson. at Stanford. Yeah, Steve Johnson out of USC. I mean, yeah, there are guys on the pro tour that have, but you look at, you know, the, the, the pro ranks, and, and by and large, those guys in the top 200, 300 have, have not spent a day playing college ball, right? Now, where do you think the international scene factors into this whole scenario? Because basically, just in case anyone isn't aware, uh, in the two scholarship leagues, which are the divisions, which are Division One and Two, uh, in tennis in particular, in other sports, golf, soccer, uh, but tennis mostly, and certainly before others, um, were, were leaning heavy on international student athletes. Um, and so, how do you think that affects D three? I think I think it, you know it, it affects tennis in general, right? Because you're not competing against just the talent pool of 
other people playing playing high school tennis, right? When when they hear when you hear numbers like, oh, you know, more people, more m- you know, many more people play high school football than high school tennis, but that's in this country, right? right. Where where the, you know there are countries around the world where tennis is the national sport or the second national sport. Where here tennis, if we're being honest, it's it's not uh, at that same table, right? So you know, as, as a result, then you're not competing for scholarships or for for college roster spots with the people playing high school ball around you and in this country, but around the globe and making it a global game at, at the division one and two levels much more so than then division three. And as a result, it's, it's, it's not pushing talent down, but it's making options available um, for, for players across all divisions, I think. So a little bit, it's pushing talent down. I mean, you know, so if a top one twenty guy in America isn't getting a look at maybe his three or four top schools he wants to go to. Maybe he looks at another option. He doesn't want to go to some school in the middle of nowhere. So right, yes. there are fantastic benefits to going so, to some of these great academic schools. And so where, where you set up your life for, you know, the rest of your life, your career, you know, if you come out of any of these schools, like the top 10 schools last year in D3, I think we're like Middlebury, Bowdoin, Chicago, Emory, Williams, Claremont, Amherst, Gustavus up in Minnesota, uh, and then um, uh, Carnegie Mellon, and I'm forgetting oh, those schools point. are okay. I those mean. are all phenomenal schools. But <laughs> you look at other you know D three schools, Caltech, MIT, uh, Tufts, uh, you know the, these these are big names, right? Like in the where, academic where, scene, right? Yeah, where degrees from those schools mean something, and it's not it's not a coincidence that they have really solid tennis programs as well, because on average, your your tennis player, your your you know, high quality tennis player is going to be a relatively good student and also, in a, you know, in this country, pretty well to do or, or come from a, pr- a relatively privileged background because it's a pretty high entry as far as cost goes to play the sport in the beginning. Right. Well, and I don't think any tennis player that graduates high school should be factoring in that they're going pro with what college they choose, whereas another sport they would have to. The basketball, football, you're going to have to, you know, hockey, you're going to have to factor that in on what, if I go to this school, what are my odds of getting on the tour? Whereas in tennis, they can just pick the place that has the best program for them. You know, the money they get factors in probably, but just take whatever academic program you like the most and you're still going to get to play tennis. If it's D1 or D2, you're going to play tennis and not pay anything. And it doesn't really matter. Once you graduate, you still have the same option to go pro or not go pro. With with a degree from a school. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm a guy in college right now where I have the option to go play for a school, I don't want to throw it under the bus. So, you know, a school you know, a, a mid major kind of, you know, <laughs> you're trying to be nice. Don't well, be even, nice. Well, even one that's okay, not so, even fitting so, to what you're looking for. So someone, someone, a school like, you know, Southern Illinois Carbondale, cause they don't have a men's program anymore. So I, you know, I can't offend them cause they don't have a team. Um, if I'm looking at a school like that or a school, for instance, you know, like one of these Amherst Williams, Emory, you know, schools like that where coming out of it with, with that degree, it opens so many doors for you in, in the real world. If tennis doesn't, you know, end up being a viable option for you as a career, that that I mean feels like you know, kind of a no brainer to to make that kind of a, a career choice as opposed to just a, a tennis choice. Right. Well, and I think what Corey was talking about is the fact that no matter what, no matter what the scenario is on how or why you go to a college and how you get to the pros, the same percentage, regardless, is still going to make it. Right. Whether it's football, mm-hmm. hockey. So in other words, no one is making it no matter where they go. Right. I mean, exactly. vir- yeah. virtually no one. So it doesn't matter if you join the national championship tennis team and you're number one, that doesn't increase your chances of going pro 
because the other people that were in that situation didn't go pro. But you're still going to be damn good. And, and right. you know, if you're number one for, you know, the 50th best school, you still have the same chance to go pro. Yeah, maybe better coaching and, you know, practice partners and that facilities and all that makes a difference. But, sure. but I don't know how much of a difference. Well, I would argue that uh, if you aren't sure at that point, it's going to be a pretty tough road. Right. Um, and so I think that's why, you know, when, when Christian, you were talking about, making that decision at some point and Kwiatkowski felt he kind of felt like oh bummer I guess my career is over um that's because it is tough no matter what and if you take a year off of or four years or three years however long he was there he graduated right so he won all four years yes yeah uh, so, yeah I don't, I don't think they won every year that he was there right but, yeah. right right but still they were elite but were uh awesome. but yeah so interesting I one thing I will say about the difference between the college setting and in tennis and other sports that would sort of make a difference relative to making quote unquote, making it is the, the amount of resources spent. I mean, if, if tennis teams were treated like football, I think a lot more players might try to cycle through the college scene and make it to the next level. But I mean, college college teams have 19 recruiting coaches, and that's all they do is recruit. Then they have all their position coaches, and all you know, they have yeah, a get they have a get back coach. <laughs> you the guy that keeps everybody off the side, get back. You don't have a volley coach and a drop shot coach and a back end coach when, you, when you're on a tennis team. Good guy. We know you didn't have a back end coach. <laughs> I knew that was Good coming. lord. But, Sorry, but uh, I'm one of those crazy USDA captains that I've been guilty of of what you're saying, which is when I'm playing someone, you know, I'm the captain that's like, okay, where did this guy play? You know, what was it? And nine times out of ten, it doesn't tell me anything about how good he is. Once we get out there and play him, it's like, oh, he played D2 and he's still killing us. Or this guy played D1, he's not that great. So I haven't seen a significant difference in the level of play just based on where someone played nearly as much as, like you said, in their sports. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, this thing also, you're talking about, Brian, talking about uh, opening up opportunities as far as, you know, just how much you know schools want to spend on it. Um, where if, if you're on the fringe of being a pro player, right, and you're going to be spending your first couple of years playing challengers and, and futures tournaments on, you know, the minor leagues of tennis, so to speak. You're going to be spending money on physios, on trainers, on coaches, whatever, where if you can get that experience while playing for a college team and you can still, you know, by by having a student athlete experience, still be afforded um, the the training staff and, and the medical staff and the, you know, off court coaching, the, you know, all that kind of stuff that that goes a long way as well. For guys in that position well this almost sounds counterintuitive intuitive to your argument but it's not because we kind of got off track <laughs> a little bit and what i'm going to say is this it, it, i think it all stems from the fact that if you're going to go pro in tennis you make the decision to either go pro or go to college which means a lot of really 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 elite players who still probably wouldn't make it are going to college so that's your argument and this is going to sound like i'm i'm saying the opposite but i'm not but you know, if if you play football at the pee wee level, at the high school, at the college, and at the pro level, you're, the human body can only take so many games per period of time. And your development isn't necessarily based on playing at that level and of that speed and that, you know, what you'd actually be doing in the game like tennis is. And so tennis, you can play every day for a week or every other day for two weeks in Grand Slams or train on those off days. So the amount of 
and I'm not saying because tennis players are tougher. We just don't get hit in the face, you know, by each <laughs> other. But the point being is, you know, the amount of development it take time it takes to develop as a tennis player is not really helped out by the limited amount of training you can do at the college level. There's so many restrictions time wise for NCAA um, in every sport. But the difference is football. It doesn't matter as much. Even basketball. Other, you know, I mean. The NBA is changing their whole schedule so they can have less back-to-backs of these elite athletes because right. they're tired. They don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to have to sit out at the end of the season. You know, now hockey, I get it. You know, football, I get it. Basketball, eh. you know, baseball, they play a lot, but you know, so you know what I'm saying. So, tra- training for tennis is a is a lot more intensive, time wise, and so that's prohibitive in for NCAA rules are prohibitive to that so it's another reason if you really have a chance to make it you can't go to college or it's harder you also would know by, by the time you're you know making a college decision by the time you're 16 17 years old you you likely would have a pretty solid idea if, if you, you have a chance to make it on, on the pro circuit right yeah or yeah or the the you know kind of inverse of that is Football, basketball. How many? How many high school basketball standouts that didn't play football and then play football on their college team and do well? You know what I mean? I sure. mean, yeah. It's obviously it takes skill, but it's more athletic heavy than skill heavy. Whereas tennis is both. I mean, it's skill heavy, mm-hmm. and so you have to develop those skills. Not a lot of people are just popping up on the radar way late in their career. Oh, we just converted him to quarterback, you know, in twelfth grade. <laughs> right. And it's Tom Brady. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, it's not you know, you're not seeing that in tennis because you can't. Well, it was a really big deal. I remember it I think Wimbledon one year there was a woman who made I think she may have even met, just made the second or third round, but she started tennis when she was twelve. And it was like they talked about that the entire match of how well, unusual how, that was. Right. That she started that late. And again, she was probably, you know, amazing in some other sport, but even at 12, was extremely late. And like you said, you see many people that, I mean, there's a guy that's in the NFL right now that I think they said he started playing football a year ago. He's from like a, from an African country and he came over and he's like playing on an NFL team. So it is possible if you just have that athleticism, but that's not going to happen in tennis. Right. I mean, you started playing when you were 30, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I still don't look like I can play, so nothing's changed. Not just look. I mean, it's real. (laughs) No, that's that's uh, again. We sort of got a little bit off topic, but it, I think it is related. We would never do that in the show. No, <laughs> but I do think it's interesting because it does tie in. Th- this whole idea does tie in to why you know people players don't play in college more, trying to get to that next level. Um, which again, I think if they did, if if college became, and we talked about this on the pod before, if tennis, college tennis was just like basketball and football where it was an entry way, you know, it was a, a barrier. You had to do that to then go to the next level. Um, you know, I think college tennis would be huge. I think the popularity would soar tremendously. Completely but, agree. But you probably can't do that because, I mean, the sport's not centralized in the U.S. Right. Right. It should be. But right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So but you, I mean, for your, your viewing times. Your argument is basically if we took eight of the top hundred – Division three players and put them against eight of the top hundred Division one players, it would be much more competitive in tennis versus any other sport. Sure, yeah, absolutely. 
and I don't think even like if the quality the, of player right, and I don't think the there. score would give you a true indication because the way the scoring is set up in tennis, you could be really close to someone in level and still lose by a bad score. Yeah. But, you know, when football and basketball are time. <laughs> he just said that because of his match last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, football and basketball are time, so you can't beat somebody 200 to nothing in, you know, football or basketball because you don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. But in tennis, you can beat somebody 6-0-6-0, but you could have had, you know, 10-shot rallies every point. So you still could have challenged them, but you still, you know, lost badly. Yeah, I mean, so it's a hard way to quantify, it, but it, I know what you're yeah, saying. It's, a, I mean, it's 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 tough when all that I'm going on is like, oh, here's the quality of them when they were high school players as as recruits. Um, but when you have people that are you know in the top thirty of in the country that are considering you know these schools and that are you know playing eventually at the same level, right? You know, it 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 makes for a, it, a, it paints a, a it paints a nice picture. Um, because yeah, of course, if you decide to go to D three, and you're at that level, we never get. Well, that's not true. We do get to see it because you do play a lot of you know a lot of a lot of various levels play other levels. So sometimes you do get to see it. But you're exactly right. I mean, there's again, there's not a lot of blue chips looking at D three in any sport: baseball, football, basketball. I don't know much about hockey um, <laughs> in terms of college hockey, but right. I'm assuming that's also the case. Well, hockey's weird. They got juniors, and then you got to go back into college hockey as well. It's, it's a whole weird setup there. And to well. some degree, you're also talking about an international sport, right? That you know, Canada mainly, but but still, Northern Europe, you know, a lot of you know. Well, how much do you think it factors in that if I'm accepted to you know Florida or Stanford or some big tennis school, Georgia, but I'm going to be the number eight player? Or I go to a D three school and I'm going to be the number one player. I think that's got to factor into some of these people's decisions too. Yeah, definitely. That's got to be like a, like a personal Whereas thing in as football, well. Though. You'd rather be the back. Yeah, I'd rather be the backup quarterback for Alabama probably than the starting quarterback for a D three. Maybe a, a lower D one. Right. But you're not going to go start for a D three school as opposed to playing for one of those huge D one football programs. Sure. Yeah. Because of I mean of the, I guess the, the the fan love that you can get that comes along with that is is honestly much greater in, in sports that aren't tennis right you know this is just the way that's set up unfortunately when i just it's not going to help your development too as a player to be number nine or ten on a great school as opposed to being number one on a school where you're getting to play and travel and compete in national championships and that kind of thing right yeah exactly and also i mean not not to you know diss what you're talking about georgia florida the schools like that but there's also a, a figured a good chance that the the d3 ca- counterpart that you would be able to apply to or get into would be largely better academically right Right. Which is all they, as we've said, they should be factoring in unless they're the one of the three or four that are going pro right. per year. But I mean, you, you look at even in, in other sports too across, you know, division division one schools or programs that are, you know, really solid athletically and ac- academically. You're looking at like, what, Duke basketball, probably Stanford football, right? And the, you're, right. you're, you're going to kind of, Notre Dame's athletics are fantastic as well. Um, but I mean, by and large, you're not, you're not getting, you know, a lot of schools that dominate, you know, athletically and academically the same way that a lot of these, these schools do comparatively in their own programs for, so, for tennis. So now again, you bring up an idea or a thought or, you know, like this and it could just be, Oh, well, that's interesting, but why does it matter? And I, I, I again, I'll reiterate uh, that I contend that it matters because ultimately, one of the things we care about on this podcast is is the health and well-being of American tennis. And so, 
if you can tell me that Division One, obviously a high level, you know, for the most part uh, across the board. Division Two, really good level, n- not as evenly dispersed. It, it gets a little haywire at the bottom there. Um, some schools aren't fully funded, et cetera. Um, but even D three, Division Three, a high level, uh, a quality level, and so we have. Three levels from top to bottom that have a nice gradual, you know, sort of uh, level dropping down, 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 and you still get down to D three, and it's a really good level. And so, sort of, the the main idea is that this is a a, a plug, so to speak, for sure. all tennis. But it's not just about oh, big time D one. It's not just about that sort of notion. It's it's really looking at it and saying, hey. Tennis is comprehensively good in U.S. colleges. Even if it doesn't get you to the next level, it's still a pretty worthwhile, a really worthwhile endeavor. And you're not really, quote-unquote, giving up a lot by picking a smaller division. Right, yeah. And what you might be giving up, you know, quote-unquote, by saying that, you you gain. I mean, the experiences that you're going to have are going to be, you know, fantastic. It's. I mean, I'm clearly preaching now just because i enjoyed my time <laughs> playing college ball but yeah i mean it, you, you look you look back on it very fondly i'm sure at, at, at any level you know you have great memories but you know traveling with teammates all that kind of stuff it, it makes for for an awesome four years no matter where you end up right and it doesn't feel like i settled right no, i definitely. settled yeah. and that's the big thing is yeah because anything you do is fun but if it's you know if it's a shit show it doesn't matter but it, it but you're not settling because it's a pretty good uh, level of tennis across the board, yeah, and, and, you're, and being, you're being pushed athletically, athletically and competitively, which is what you really want. And I mean, let me tell you, the NCAA runs Division Three also, and so it follows all the same protocols and everything else, and does everything the right way. Their national tournament is run no differently than any other sport. Any, you know, obviously, March Madness, and there might be a few more cameras involved <laughs> than Division Three tennis, but the bottom line is it's, it's it's held to a standard. The NCAA holds all championships to a standard, um, and and so it really does make for a, 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 a being a real deal, real deal sports. So great sales pitch, really, <laughs> like I said, really dovetail nicely into our idea on this podcast that. There is somewhere out there for everyone to play. Absolutely. And even if it's D3, it's still a great product and a great experience. Very and much worth your time. You are living proof of that, sir. I Corey, that. not so much. <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. On there, yeah, Sunday that's, a, that's where we ended up. <laughs> Shit. So, so I played D3 tennis and ended up at a podcast. Oh, so I Lordy. did both things wrong. <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. So anyway, well, appreciate you coming in. Thanks um, so much, guys. I appreciate you it. You have joined an elite group of uh, <laughs> Tennis Revolution podcast guests. This Fallen guests. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, you will also be just once. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just kidding. Well, I don't want Taylor Dent to lose his record, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, but we appreciate pressure him anyway. Yeah, so appreciate you have anything else, Corey? That's it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank you guys so much. And until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, guys. Bye.